Hello everyone and welcome to the Future of Dogs podcast, a place for the whole dog world to come together and ask the big why and what if questions that will shape the dogs of the future. Join me, Hannah Malloy, as we chat to some of the world's most groundbreaking professionals intent on enriching and evolving the future of dogs. This podcast is in association with Amplified Behaviour, my online learning video library for dog owners and dog geeks. Big thanks to my dog's favourite food and our season one sponsor, Nature's Menu. With over 40 years in the pet food business, Nature's Menu is Europe's leading expert in raw and natural pet food. So let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Future of Dogs, episode one, hosted by me, Hannah Malloy, and today co-hosted by the most beautiful and glamorous, Anita Lang. <laughs> Hello, Hannah. Hello, Anita. I'm your friend, Anita Lang. That's true. And That's you true. are easily distracted by dogs. I am. I've got a t-shirt that proves that. That's true. I'm wearing it right now. We have a combined love for dogs, don't we, together? We do. And I have the privilege of joining you on your first episode, and I am doing the takeover. <gasps> So yes. Hannah, sit back, mm-hmm. relax, Love it. and let me ask you some questions. Oh, okay, thank you so much. So why on earth are we here? I, I know a little bit about why we're here, but the future of dogs is a very broad title. Mm-hmm. What on earth do you want to bring to the listeners? Like, why will I, in the future, on my walks, listen to this podcast? Mm. What do you want to say? Mm. It's a bold thing, isn't it, to it's state, I'm going to show you what the future of dogs looks like. And we will, actually. This is the key. You know, my background is in animal behaviour and I'm a big believer in chatting about and challenging and creating space for questioning behaviour, really. I'm a behaviour geek um, because I'm a scientist and I think that the question why is beautiful and doesn't need to be covered with so much sort of fear and anxiety. I think sometimes if you challenge a behavioural norm, uh, there can be a lot of resistance um, and fear to to change. And, uh, you know, if we think about some of the most amazing inventors, um, I'm thinking chitty, chitty, bang, bang, if we just go straight into that movie and, <laughs> and, and just imagine I've been stolen in a little shed and put in a room with lots of other <laughs> inventors. You know, all of those people are trying to fix a problem and they do that by just trying something new a little yeah. bit. Just, well, what if we do this? Oh, okay, that broke it. What if we do this? Oh, that made it a bit better. Yeah. And I think with all science and invention, the creating space to play with variables is super important. So that's what I'd really love to do with the future of dogs. It's a, it's an attempt to uh, tour through. It's an attempt to tour through where we've been, where we are, and where we could go in the dog world if we could craft a sort of collective dream and then work together to champion and change the way that we care for dogs. Because they're man's best friend, aren't they? They are. They are. That's amazing. That sounds so cool. It's a bit big. Um, I also really like the fact that you don't just look at a problem. You're the, being a science, scientist and a dog geek, you don't just look at a problem and go, oh, isn't that a shame? We have a problem. We have to deal with it. We have to put up with it. You go, oh, wow. So what? there's a problem. Why? What can we do about it? Um, can it change in the future? Does it always have to be that way? Yeah. And I love the fact that there are people like you, um, and I think your guests in the future of this podcast mm-hmm. are going to include people who share that that kind of 
way of thinking. I love that. I really, really love that. I think it's going to be really important. So, and you know, I think that's the thing is when we start to ask the question why, what we're really going to do on the future of dogs is, um, is, is step back into that sort of childlike awe and wonder in the joy of asking why and what if. Uh, why do we do that thing that we do? do? When did we start to do it? Like, why is it still useful for us to do? Is it behaviour that we want to continue to do? And if we don't want to do it that way, then what, what are we going to do instead? Like, I don't think we've ever really had a sort of collective conversation about what the future of dogs could look like on a global sort of platform you know when I, I came out of uni I have a degree in animal behavior and yeah. when I stepped out of uni there were loads of different strategies for conserving a myriad of different animals and that you know you hear about the conservation strategy for pandas or you hear about it for you know mollusks even um have a conservation strategy <laughs> we're very careful about things like newts and global populations of uh, even sections of wildlife are carefully managed and i looked at the domesticated dog and i was like oh, what is the conservation strategy for dogs like what are we trying to do with the domesticated dog yeah. And so my heart will always be directed to towards shifting our culture away from blame and shame. And the dog world is full of so many passionate individuals that love dogs and are trying to change something in their in their industry. Um, but also the narrative online it can get quite antagonistic because sometimes you're asking whether or not someone's field or the way that they do something is is in inverted commas right or wrong i think we just need yeah. to get rid of those labels and just say actually what are we trying to achieve with dogs yeah. have we got a plan if we haven't got a plan should we have one is that important yeah. <laughs> otherwise we could just breed you know nine-legged dogs with um you know <laughs> tentacles and several faces and yeah or just <laughs> dogs who've become like mathematicians and can code and drive cars and you know i'm taking the mickey a bit but you know if we don't have a plan i think a lot of the time we can end up creating problems for ourselves behaviorally okay okay um i'd like to ask you where did it all start for you where did your love of dogs come from what are your earliest memories with dogs yes good question so I think when, when I was a baby, um, I met my first dog at 18 months old and I have a beautiful scar across my nose in, in a dog mouth shape um, from that interaction. And it, it was not the dog's fault. You know, I had an eight year old brother who was backing a car down a drive. So my parents were distracted <laughs> <laughs> trying to avert one childlike drama. Um, and so they left me with a rescue dog and this dog bit me. Now... It's a tricky story that because for a lot of people, a child being bitten by a dog is such a hugely emotive topic. And I have to say, as a as a bite victim, you might say, mm -hmm. um, I really feel for the dog. I mean, I always have. It obviously hasn't made a huge difference to the way that I feel about dogs long term. It's it's made me, if anything, more curious and interested in them. But yeah. that dog didn't kill me because she didn't ever want to. She never intended to kill me. No. She did what any female dog would do, which is roll me over and say, stop it. Hey, puppy, yeah. stop poking me. I'm a dog. It's not okay. So she, you know, she used her mouth because she has no hands. Yeah. And she said, stop, stop that. Um, 
and you know naturally she lost her life because she bit a baby and so it's a complicated story that I'm just you know probably was brought up a little bit thinking oh I don't think that was that dog's fault I think that's really hard um and I don't think it's ever a dog's fault is it when when things go wrong between dogs and humans yeah you're not going to shout at a five-year-old carrying a gun for shooting somebody you're not going to put that child on trial no. it's not their fault they yeah. shouldn't have had, how how did the child get the gun you yeah. know so so there's definitely that made a huge impact on me uh, maybe at a subconscious level yeah but i didn't think i wanted to be a dog trainer i didn't think the world needed another dog trainer uh, you know i had a dog when i was 12 and he walked me through all of the teenage angst that many of us go through. Um, and he was my very close buddy when my parents were were separating. And so we formed a super strong bond there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I went to uni to study animal behavior because I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were like, what do you want to do for a living? You could do anything you want. And I was like, well, I'm going to be a dolphin trainer. That's the coolest job in the world. I'm going to do that. It's so funny because I used to say that as a joke. <laughs> It is like even recently I've said that as a joke. I've it's the classic, right? A dolphin trainer. Yeah. <laughs> it's the chat up line that every guy gives when they're like, "What's the what's the coolest job ever?" It's true though. <laughs> what Why happened you... to that dream? Well, I came out of uni and um, listened to a documentary, watched a documentary called Blackfish, that was about SeaWorld and some of the training techniques that happened there, and mm. it, it was it. I could see that that industry was in a place of flux. And I also did the maths and went, I'd have to live very far away because I'm in the UK and, you know, unless you want to stand on the cliffs and watch dolphins through binoculars, you're not getting very much dolphin uh, work in the UK. (laughs) So, and then I came across this charity called Medical Detection Dogs and, oh, wow, they had just published their study. So they'd just become a, um, a charity. Yeah. And they did a study in 2004 and they became a charity in 2008. And that's just when I graduated. So I read this study uh, and discovered that dogs, it had been proved that dogs could smell cancer with their noses. Wow. And I was just blown away by this. I had one of those epiphanies of time, you know, when you just suddenly, if that equals that equals that. And I just saw dogs and humans walking together for like 20,000 years, just paired hanging out consistently such that dogs have physically got a piece of equipment on their body that can smell our biochemistry yeah it's incredible (gasps) and the dogs in the study were doing it before any human test could prove that it was there wow just amazing it's mind-blowing and then the dogs are sensitive enough to turn to the human and say, excuse me, friend, <laughs> I think I think I need to tell you, you have this problem. I don't think you know that it's there. And they kept, you know, nosing it, licking it, sniffing it, yeah. obsessing about this area on so many people yeah. that it became, a, it became a study. You know, in the 1980s, loads of owners had come forward and said, I think my dog is detecting my cancer. And, and in the 80s, scientists were like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> They can see ghosts as well, can't they? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, so it took 20 years more uh, for the scientific community to go, mm, there might be something in this. And what we need is a dog trainer and some scientists to get together. And, you know, Dr. Claire Guest did that and and proved that it was possible. And that the humans are sensitive enough to say, you know, I think my dog is trying to tell me something. All of that story just made me go, oh, my gosh. And I just fell in love with dogs in a real deep respectful 
And then I started looking at the dog world. And that's a big yeah. word. You're probably like, what is the dog world? Yeah. Yeah, we've heard your credentials. We've heard your history. We've heard how you first encountered a dog and fell in love with dogs. Mm. So what is it that brings us to now and doing this podcast? And uh, you say you've seen man and dog walk alongside each other. What is it that you see in that relationship that um, has gone astray potentially? Mm -hmm. And maybe you, you'd like to see and ask the question, could we bring that back onto a more favorable path on a, on a path that adds to both humans and dogs well-being? That'd be a good way to ask the question. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So from my, from my observation, as I say, I went into the field as an animal behaviorist. And the thing that I love about animal behavior is that it's, bl it's black and white. It's not about right and wrong. We, when we look at studying behavior, we think of things in terms of functional or non-functional behavior. So it's either useful to us or it's not useful to us. So when I stepped into looking at the dog world, which is huge, it's vast and complex. There's like passionate game-changing experts that are changing the future of dogs. So that's, we're talking about dog owners the world over, amazing breeders, like rescue dog heroes, mm -hmm. vet staff, you know, trainers, groomers, pet shop owners, pet food and nutrition experts. Our sponsors, Nature's Menu, for example, the dog walkers, the dog sport champions, the ring craft kings and queens. Oh my gosh, researchers, scientists, charities. It, it, it's, it's so vast, the dog world, right? Right the way up to government and the UK, even our royalty. We are all just totally mad about dogs. Yeah. And when we start looking at human behavior through the eye of an animal behaviorist, it's so much more calming because we can start to say, well, that's functional and that's not functional, okay? We, we practice things that are functional. It's as simple as that. So I would love us to just journey down this route and ultimately over time, me and many of the scientists have just become more and more fascinated with the dog's environment yeah. because we're their environment, you know, uh, it, and it's really hard for us to change our behavior unless we start by looking at it, recognizing it, and then start talking to, and that's the point of this podcast, some of the people in the world who have seen something within their area, within their metron of their area of expertise that they want to change. Okay. So we're going to talk to industry experts from a range of, of, uh, of places, vets, we're going to talk to uh, clinical psychologists, we're going to talk to groomers and, uh, and all sorts of different professionals at different levels of the dog world and ask them, where has that industry been? Where is it now? And what could the future look like if we followed them down their particular brand of what if? Okay. So I just can't wait. I'm really excited to, to talk to some of these geeks, really. I love a geek. Some people <laughs> don't like the word. I love the word. I'm a self-professed dog geek, quite happy to be so. Um, yeah, the future of dogs could look like whatever we decide it could look like. But until we start going into these uh, conversations and looking at our behavior and the way that we respond to dogs and how we're breeding them, how we're training them, uh, how we're, how we're marketing them, how we're sharing them on Instagram and social media. Like what do we want the future of dogs to look like? That's the question. Yeah. So do, do your listeners get to input into this? So do they get to say, you know, I've got 
I've got a dog and he does this and I prefer him to do that. Or, um, yeah, I've got this issue. Can they feedback? Can they make suggestions of what they want to hear? Guests they want to hear speaking, topics they want to oh, yes. discuss? Yes, absolutely. You know, I can't wait to expand this conversation. Personally, I think like everybody's voice is valuable to this conversation. The guests that we're going to have on, um, you might not agree with them. They might say things that you're like, wow, I just totally disagree with, with everything that you're about. And that is so fine. <laughs> I really want you to still be able to come and bring that perspective. I also want us to be able to learn to navigate listening to people we disagree with with love, because I think that is a skill that culturally we all need. We all need to start to step into over yeah. the next you know, 10, 20 years is, is to be able to hold space for people that we disagree with, um, but we still love them. We still respect who they are as a human being, even if they're doing and saying things that were like totally uh, different to us. So you can jump on Facebook and on Instagram and on YouTube and just search the Future of Dogs podcast and you can chat with us. I can't wait to hear your perspectives um, to suggest topics. And each episode that you're going to listen to will be titled slightly differently. So the next episode you will hear is the future of dog conversations. So they're going to be nice, short bite conversations with incredible specialists, potentially broken into part one and part two, just so that you can listen to them on the way to work or as you're walking the dog or going out for a jog um, or just taking a little bit of a lunch break. So they're going to be nice, easy uh, conversations that you can just uh, jump into and out of again. Yeah. Wonderful. So exciting. It's very exciting. Ah, thank you so much, Anita, for helping us to navigate the beginning of this incredible journey. And I just want to lovingly invite all of you as listeners to join me on this journey because I fundamentally believe that, you know, dogs are our species. We have totally controlled their evolution, their shape, their size, and their form such that in this generation, we are their natural habitat. And the future of dogs seeks to improve this very unnatural habitat that we've created for dogs in the 21st century. We want to look at where we've been, where we are right now, where we could go and shape uh, informed decisions that we could all be making with the help of some of the world's biggest experts. So... I can't wait to chew over some of these questions and cultural norms and get a cup of tea and a biscuit and, uh, yeah, <laughs> enjoy it. That sounds amazing. I'll also bring a cup of tea and a biscuit. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you oh. could bring the packet, that would be. Okay, that's fine. And I'll continue to show you memes for you to point out the behaviour in them. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a spoiler, aren't I? I can't help it. I'm so sorry, Annie. I just I ruin memes for most dog owners. Um, and dog lovers dog fans mm -hmm. i can't help it you know the dogs are speaking i see dog people it's <laughs> as simple as that it's interesting i'm a massive meme fan and i share them with my friend hannah who has a great sense of humor and we laugh together about a lot of things mm -hmm. but i see the behaviorist in her who picks out um what could be potentially being experienced by that animal in that in that place and that's been an amazing thing to witness because without even realizing i suddenly can you know as a, a non-dog professional pick up on um dogs who aren't comfortable or dogs who look um you know like they're experiencing a certain emotion mm -hmm. and it's been really helpful to me and i just get i'm just an ordinary person doesn't work in the dog world and i get to see 
what you do and what you understand and it helps inform my behavior around dogs which is i think so important and and probably what you want people who aren't dog professionals to get from a podcast like this or get from your book for example mm. what's my dog thinking um yeah yeah i didn't even mention that i'm terrible at self promotion <laughs> actually <laughs> yes yeah, so guys i wrote a book about dog behavior and body language called what's my dog thinking it's beautiful it's an illustrated guide it's beautiful um and it was put together by Dorling kindersley uh, who are internationally renowned publishers great they have translated it into multiple languages you can get it in the us you can get it in australia you can get it in spanish you can get it in a couple of other languages as well pretty sure it's in german maybe finnish i think i've seen it in as well niche mm -hmm. um Finnish. And, you know, I just love talking about, yeah, body language and behavior is my, it's my hmm. bread and butter. I, I really think when I first started working with dogs, it was in a, in a major UK charity. And uh, I realized that people just didn't understand how to read posture. Mm. And I was like, okay, I could fight fire for the rest of my life. And, you know, we'll talk in one of these episodes about the narrative of adopt, don't shop. I think is valuable to help people get rescue dogs but actually i realized in rescue oh we don't know how to read dogs yeah. at all and that needs to be a priority i think across across the world we need to learn how to read dog body language yeah and so many clients come to me with dogs that are you know stressing out or they have learned to become aggressive because people are like oh he was playing and he was fine and now he's not fine mm -hmm. and i'm like okay we maybe he wasn't fine when we thought he was fine you know yeah and I totally get and love dearly the learning journey we all go on in this area. Because when I, you know, when the dawn of the internet occurred, I saw this little video of a polar bear yeah. and it was dancing, right? Yeah. And it was like, you know, one of the first memes at the dawn of the internet. Soon <laughs> I will sound so old to those who have only ever known the internet generation. Uh, but this, this, this polar bear was doing a little sort of four step around in a circle like a break dancer. And he was like, and they put some music on the background. So it was like, bow, 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 bow. And the polar bear was dancing. And I thought that's hilarious, like hilarious. Uh, but then it took a, a couple beats and then because this has been my heart it's my gifting i was like but why is he doing that like yeah. that's not normal behavior for a polar bear and then you scope out and you go okay that's a polar bear in captivity and he is walking around in circles because he's going mad because mm. he can't walk yeah. as he's supposed to he can't break through ice like he's supposed to because he's in a zoo yeah and that was the first time I had like my own meme spoiled by my own brain. Thanks, brain. But <laughs> but useful, right? Because you're like, oh, I don't want to laugh at that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not okay. That's yeah. a really unhappy animal. And uh, but also, I uh, yeah, I get it. We're we're all learning, and none of us want to laugh at uh, people who are in pain or animals who are in pain. Yeah. I think sometimes we just don't know any better because we're like, ah, look, the dog is smiling and is showing his teeth next to this baby. And you're like, okay, that dog is baring its teeth yes. and it might bite that baby. Yes. So as much as you think that's a super cute picture, can we just rewind and remember what dogs use to communicate? So yeah, man, sorry, not sorry that I am a meme <laughs> spoiler <laughs> for the whole universe. Um, but it's amazing because this is a, podcast for people who love dogs and work with dogs so mm. what I've realized is it, it doesn't take a lot to understand dogs to realize that difference between a dog who I perceive to be smiling yeah that that dog isn't actually happy mm. so it's not it's not actually incredibly difficult 
to learn how to pick up accurately on their behavior and who, which dog owner, dog lover wouldn't want to know how their dog is feeling and how to make their life better. We love dogs. We buy them outfits. We buy them toys. We play with them. We do so much for them. Why would put we them not on want mugs. them? Yeah, we put pugs on mugs. Pugs on mugs. And this is not and my favourite, really, because actually, the you know, there's a lot of pug love. Got nothing against pugs as people, as dog people. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, we've gone crazy with pug love when it comes to, um, you know, making bags and everything. Everything yes. is made of pugs, and there's, you know, yeah, we don't we don't see that there's any problem with it mm-hmm. until everybody wants a pug, and yeah. then pugs are bred and can't breathe, and oh, we'll get into all of that. Yes, we'll all get into all that. that. But just all for that. the listeners, yeah. Hannah's drinking a coffee from a pug, a mug, pug mug, a mug yeah. with a pug face <laughs> on it. Just to explain that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so excited because I think you're giving, you're empowering people to understand their their best friend. And that is such a good use of our time. Absolutely. Such a good use of your time and our time in listening. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much, Anita, for joining for having me. This. It's good. I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> Next time I need to talk to myself. I'm like, right, Anita. Might just be in the kitchen later on after this podcast. <laughs> Anita, I've had a good monologue. <laughs> Come in here. Come and break it up. <laughs> so yeah if you have enjoyed this uh, starter for 10 and you actually want a bit of a main course and to hear some of our incredible guests please do like and subscribe on whatever you listen and consume your podcasts on you can check us out as i said on facebook instagram and on youtube if you just search the future of dogs podcast and you can find us on buzzsprout so that is our official website, uh, Buzzsprout, com. I've been Hannah Malloy, and you can find out more about all of my educational principles and lovely delicious courses on AmplifiedBehaviour.com. I've been Anita Lai. I highly rate this website. Please go and look at it. <laughs> she is easily distracted by dogs. Yeah, I am easily distracted by dogs. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye.